Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Murphy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I want to get this episode going by saying I'm sorry for the late upload last Friday. It would be now supposed to be uploaded Thursday. Um, I just had a lot going on. I still have a lot going on between school, work, personal relationships. Um, I just really appreciate you guys showing me support regardless and also just being patient with me and still listening to these things because I'm trying to get in a consistent rhythm of it. And again, if there's ever a time like that, again, I will let you guys know because these things can be subject to change and they can change pretty frequently. Um, Other than that, make sure to keep tuning in because there is a lot of big announcements coming. Make sure to send this to your friends and family so they can get in on this action too, because there's going to be giveaways. There's going to be the opening of a YouTube channel, hopefully within the next couple weeks. And I'm really excited to get going with all that stuff. Also, NBA content should be coming fairly soon, particularly when the NFL season ends. I'll pick up more in the NBA. We'll see how it goes from there. I've been trying to watch as much NBA games as I can, but again, I'm a very, very busy guy. I'm not trying to make excuses or anything like that. I'm just saying, I have a life outside of this podcast, and as much as I want this to be my full life, I just don't have that luxury right now. Hopefully one day I will be able to. Anyways, week nine was a crazy-ass week for the NFL. Tons of upsets, tons of unexpected games, and honestly, it was just it's a very good thing for the sport whenever things like that happen just because it adds competitiveness. It probably helps ratings, I'd imagine, and it also just gets fans – the unexpected can happen any single week and that was proven more than ever this last week it was an awesome week regardless of that i still ended up positive on my best bets i was three for two last or three and two last week on my best bets so that was proud of that one i whiffed on the browns game which i won't talk about too much today i'll just say now the browns o-line played a lot better than i thought they would i thought they were going to be their downfall in that game and joe burrow was definitely not hidden himself he's had too many turnovers this this year and i hope that he can reduce those and the Bengals can stay competitive because they are a little concerning right now regardless i'm not going to get into that game too much the other bet that i whiffed on was the Bears and the Steelers. I thought the Steelers were going to cover their spread and beat the Bears convincingly. Uh, I don't know if it was unfortunately or fortunately because they, the Bears probably should have won that game. Um, I'm going to jump into that in just a second here, but that was, fuck, that was just a hard one. Anyways, I want to talk about every single game this week, but I simply do not have the time, so I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm going to try and recap all the most impactful games, in my opinion, and all the games that I took the most away from. We're going to start right off the bat and just get this off my chest because I'm going to be fuming about this for the rest of the podcast if I don't get it out of the way now. It's obviously going to be the Bears versus the Steelers. Um, I didn't even take any notes on this game because this shit was just truly unforgettable. It was just so frustrating and it is so frustrating when you see refs absolutely take over a game and Honestly, who knows what would have happened if a couple of different calls went that way, but I'd like to think that the Bears would have won that game if there was just better officiating. I mean, it was terrible in the first three quarters, like absolutely awful. Tons of tons of calls that shouldn't have been calls and also tons of missed calls that should have been calls, uh, whether it be on Jason Peters getting repeatedly chopped block and that felt really cheap or just bullshit pass interference calls, bullshit holding calls. Um, there was obviously... We'll get to the rest later, but that's in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter came, and I guess we can just start with before 
Cassius, um, I'm forgetting his last name right now, Cassius Marsh's very egregious taunting penalty. There was the, it was like a low, it was like a low block in the tackle box or something. I don't, that was something like that. I don't know the technical term for the call, but that's what the call was. And the announcers made it very clear that it shouldn't have been a call. I think from the fans point of view and the TV broadcast point of view is very obvious that that shouldn't have been a call first off we all know it was in the tackle box second off it that's that negates the whole penalty because it was it was inside the tackle box and that was a touchdown that was overturned that was turned into a field goal so obviously would have helped the bears tremendously there and then second of all we have to talk about the just terrible egregious cassius marsh taunting penalty that was not a taunt and the nfl has been extremely unclear in their taunting penalty rules excuse me i know that they were trying to crack down on it and tony i'm forgetting his last name right now i'm really bad with names if you can't tell tony casero is it casero it's something with a c he was the head main ref of that game he answered some questions with a reporter after the game talking about it and obviously, he stated that he felt that Cassius's actions after the sack, he did this little spin kick, whatever, and then took about three steps, not running, by the way, and just looked at the opposing bench of the Pittsburgh Steelers, didn't make any motions, didn't do anything at all, and then simply walked away. Of course, right after that, he gets hip-checked by Tony Casero, if that's his name. Tony something. I'll just call him Tony. He gets hip-checked by Tony and it breaks the internet. The internet absolutely goes wild. Cash just talks about it in his interview after the game. Says it's egregious. Says it's bullshit. Basically says that if a player were to ever do that to a ref, they'd be possibly fined and suspended. And I cannot agree more. But jumping back to the point of the taunting call and how it was called and why it was perceived a taunt and why, in my opinion, I don't think it should have been a taunt is because, well, one, the NFL, to start off with, as I've already mentioned, they are trying to really push the taunting rule this year because it's not a new rule people don't realize that this rule has been in the rule book and honestly the nflpr has done a terrible job representing what they're trying to do here and also the refs themselves have not done a good job clearly because it's so inconsistent as to when it gets called and when it doesn't when the nfl announced that they wanted to take more precautions and more what's the word more notice into the whole taunting situation they took this whole approach where they wanted it to be player on player you know if you make a big play you can't get in someone's face you can't openly you know it's taunting you can't openly piss someone off and in my opinion this was a very unclear case of that sure you can maybe add that he he made a gesture towards a bench or whatever but regardless of that this is an extremely physical and emotional sport and that player was a player who of course Cassius Marsh was on the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier that year before being cut and that sack came in possibly the most crucial moment of the game to give the Bears back the ball and and all things considered they could have won the game right then and there simply because we just saw the Bears the right after that drive the Bears Drove down the field very easily and scored an amazing Justin Fields touchdown, which I'll get to. He played an amazing game. But regardless, the the refs absolutely stole this game from them, and it shouldn't have happened this way at all. It was just – it was egregious. It was bullshit. I think Tony has a lot to talk about. I think Tony has a lot to 
prove to himself to this well first off to the nfl themselves i think they need to seriously look into him and we've seen suspensions from rest before for egregious calls we've seen stuff like that before i obviously am biased i obviously am a bears fan but at the same time it's the entire internet talking about it it's every single report in the nfl scene talking about it right now they can all agree that this officiating the game in totality was a whole but of course in critical moments such as this taunting call it was just absolute bullshit and the fact is maybe maybe you can argue there's a little taunt in there but the thing is it's so unclear within the rule book that i just don't think there's reason to pull a flag there i really don't and of course the hip check just makes him look even worse so it's just bad of bad all bad nothing good coming out of that and it was extremely, extremely disappointing to watch as a fan of the, not only a fan of the Bears, obviously, but as a fan of the sport, it's extremely unsatisfying to watch a game end like that simply because you don't want the refs dictating the game, A, and B, it honestly seemed like Tony was on an absolute power trip. It was just, it seemed biased. You don't want people getting this conversation of our games fixed because no, I don't think this game was fixed in the slightest. That's bullshit. But refs are still people too. They can be subjective too. And Tony was absolutely subjective in this game. It was just excruciatingly frustrating to watch. And it took away from the game. And honestly, it took away from a great game and a great performance by Justin Fields, which I'll talk about now. Justin looked precise. He looked What's the word I want to look for? Decisive. That's that, that was the one thing that stood out to me more than anything about Justin's film immediately watching this game. And of course, watching this game live. And then I, you know, watched it over because I'm obsessed and that's what I do. Justin played out of his fucking mind. Every time that he would get to his first, second, third read, whatever it was, he, he looked like he was making his reads. You could see his head getting around. And if nothing was there, he would simply take off with it. And it was paying off time and time again and that's that decisiveness that we really didn't see from him earlier in the season and when we did see it it was last week and i think there is a progression here within this coaching staff i think they are preaching to him that look i think early in the season they really wanted him to stay true to his reads really wanted him to hang around in the pocket and really distribute the things so he could develop as a passer and now they're realizing that that's just not how we're going to win games here because simply simply put, their offensive line is not good enough. He needs to be able to make quick reads. If they're not there, he has a 4-4 on his 40 time. Let the motherfucker get out of the pocket. Let him go because he is an absolute stud that way. He not only has a beautiful arm that can make some unreal throws, but when you have legs like that, you need to be able to use it. Sorry about my dog. Hopefully they stop in a second here. I'm just going to keep going. You need to be able to use those legs and it's going to add so many layers to that offense and it already has the past two weeks. Both of these weeks, these were games that totally should have been won and when one game the defense let them down and the other the refs did, I'm sorry. You can say anything you want. Sure, maybe the game goes down a different way, but I full-heartedly am convinced that if a few calls don't go the Steelers' way and a few more go the Bears' way, that they would have won that game last night and we would seriously, all we'd be talking about right now is we wouldn't be talking about no bullshit penalties. We'd be talking about how good Justin Fields looks and how this offense is finally coming together and they're healthy. And him and Darnell Mooney have a connection like no other. But regardless, Justin was making all the throws his offense needed him to. I mean, it was tight window after tight window, tight window on the run, tight window moving to his left, back left corner of the end zone for that Darnell Mooney, absolutely gorgeous touchdown. I mean, it was just 
such a great game. Even his interception was completely not on him. I mean, yeah, balls get batted down all the time. Balls get batted down by the absolute best quarterbacks in the league. It was just an amazing play by Cameron Hayward for him to bat the ball down and then also end up with it. That's all I can say about that one. But regardless, I love what I'm starting to see from the Chicago offense. I just really hope that we can stack up this offensive line in the upcoming free agency and draft. I also hope that we can keep proving ourselves and building our confidence because every year there's a team that kind of gets steam at the end of the year and they can kind of keep it rolling into the next season. I'm trying to think of an example right now and I'm failing to think of one, but we've seen it in the past, whatever. You can look it up. I don't really care if you believe me or not. Regardless, I think that it's never bad to end losing some games. And as I've already stated, the Bears schedule is extremely rough. And if they're going to beat anyone in their remaining schedule, it's going to be those interconference games, especially the way the Vikings seem to choke every game away. The Lions just are the Lions. And I don't expect to beat Green Bay or anything like that. Have we already played them twice? I don't think we have. But regardless, we don't have a first-round pick this year. We're not playing to get a higher first-round pick. So just prove what you can prove. Get players bought into the system. Hopefully, if you start winning some games, Allen Robinson, guys like that will stick around. I think this team is one receiver and better offensive line play from being really, really damn good. And, of course, we need our defensive stars healthy because having Khalil Mack out last night seriously hurt us. We only had – I don't think we had more than two sacks. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I should. I really should have written this down, but that's okay. Um, regardless, Khalil Mack is a huge boost to this defense, as we've all known. I'm going to stop talking about this game. Um, I guess before I stop talking about this game, it – well, no. Honestly, I don't really have much else to say. I was going to talk about the Steelers side of the ball, but honestly, everything I saw from the Steelers was not very surprising at all. Big Ben still looks like he can't move around in the pocket. When there is a clean pocket, he can still throw the ball very damn well. Their defense is still very much elite, and TJ Watt is still probably the best defensive player in the league right now outside of number 99 in Los Angeles. So – that's it. That's my rant. That game pissed me the hell off. With that out of my chest, out of my chest, off of my chest, kind of felt therapeutic for me. We're going to move on to the next game, which was easily one of the most surprising games of the week. But I mean, maybe I shouldn't say easily because this this week was just full of surprises. But it's, I never would have believed you if you told me, if you told me the Jags scored no touchdowns this week against the Bills, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, fuck, totally. Why would they not? But then you told me that they won? That, I mean, that <laughs> that's just crazy shit. Like, this is so good for the NFL in the same sense, though, because it shows you how close all the competition is. I mean, the Titans are looking like one of the best teams in the league. They lost to the Jets earlier this year. Before this game, a lot of us would have said the Bills are probably the best team in the league. They just lost to the Jaguars. Um... The Chiefs were the favorites for the Super Bowl coming into the season. They're four or five and four. So, just the overall discontinuity in the NFL this year has been absolutely incredible. No one team looks extremely dominant. I mean, if I think if I had to pick a best team in the league right now, it might be the Buccaneers. And they lost to the Rams earlier this year, who lost to the Titans, who lost to the Jets. So it's just like, what the hell? What the hell do we even know? It's like you can just throw darts at. Put a blindfold on, put a schedule up in front of you, and start throwing darts. Wherever the hell those darts land, those teams are going to win. Because honestly, you just have you have as good of odds doing that as you do have having straight up pick like every favorite, every underdog. It's just, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But regardless, stop talking about the season. Or excuse me, I'm going to stop talking about this uh, 
week because I've already spent enough time on that. This Jacksonville-Buffalo game, I see a serious weakness with Buffalo's team. And I think that teams – I'm not going to say that this like creates a blueprint for teams to beat Buffalo because Buffalo is going to be just fine. Buffalo is still a Super Bowl contender. Buffalo still has one of the best quarterbacks and one of the best rosters in the league. But with all that being said, Josh Allen is being asked to do way too much for this football team. I mean, he's an MVP candidate for a reason. He's extremely talented, but you can't ask him to throw for 400 yards every week. You can't ask him to, you know, evade every pass rush. You can't ask him to get a ton of rushing yards every single week. And that's honestly what I saw in this game a lot. It's the Bills almost every week seem reluctant to run the football. It's not even a question of if they can do it anymore because I think I truly think they can. I think they have the guys there to run the ball effective enough and to have a just a better balance to their offense, but it's like they don't want to. I mean, even when they were down by like a field goal or whatever it was, you can still run the two clock. You they were playing like they were behind like a few touchdowns. It's like pass, 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 pass. And when Jacksonville has a game plan this this good and their blitzes are performing this well and their front four, regardless of blitzes, creating pressure this way, that's not a formula for success. And you need to be able to punish those blitzes with good runs and be able to have them, you know, it, it, it was just, it was, it was weird. It was a really weird game and it was a really weird film to watch because it just didn't look at all like the Buffalo Bills like we're used to. And, I mean, credit to Jacksonville on that one. They came in with a great game plan. Uh, as we know, I got to get this out of the way now, now that we're talking about Jacksonville's game plan, the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen narrative. And, you know, Josh Allen on the Jaguars being annoyed because he's the other Josh Allen in that whole debacle. What fucking ever. Regardless, he played out of his goddamn mind. We all know that. He's the first player to get a sack an INT and a fumble recovery in the same game since Khalil Mack did it when he was traded to the Bears. And this was just, it was just dominance. And it was <laughs> unbelievable. I, I'm at a loss for words. I, I have all these notes here. And the more I read them, it's the more I'm just like, how the hell did this happen? How the hell did they hold up Josh Allen in this explosive offense to six points? And honestly, the real reason, in my opinion, was it was Josh Allen. <laughs> it was it was the other Josh Allen. He was so disruptive. Their D-line was so disruptive. And the Bills just kind of looked like they slept into this game. It looked like, oh, we're playing Jacksonville. Oh, they're the worst team in the league. Oh, we're the Bills, you know? Like, we're, we should roll over these guys. It was very similar to what happened in the Cowboys-Broncos game. These, ga these guys just looked rusty. And it was like... It looked like they had been out too late the night before because they were, you know, going to the club and they didn't think that these teams were going to show up to play the next day. And that's honestly all it came down to. It's just one team played way harder than the other and they got the shit kicked out of them. And in the case of the Buffalo, I guess it wasn't a total ass whooping because it was only a three point game. And it wasn't, it wasn't a total ass whooping, but still, I mean, you're the Bills and you're playing Jacksonville and I don't think anything like this is going to happen again. I think this is actually maybe good for the Bills because it'll wake them the hell up and get them out of that, oh, that, that, that cocky, 
Kansas City, this is who we are. We'll be all right. We just got to keep playing our game type thing. And I hope they seriously look at themselves and realize that they need to establish more of a run game to help out Josh Allen. They need better protection for Josh Allen because honestly, it was really damn good until this week. And a lot of the problems this week was not necessarily in the offensive line directly, but their running backs were making really bad decisions. And there was just a lot of blown assignments, if I'm being completely honest. It wasn't that one particular person was playing bad. It was just a miscommunication between the offensive line as a whole, which we haven't seen too much this week. So, or excuse me, this year. So again, I think they will be fine in the long run. I don't think this is like seriously something that's going to hinder them for the rest of the season. And again, it might even help them. Uh, but it's definitely going to be one of those games at the end of the season, whenever it is that the Bills get eliminated, whether it is they make it to the Super Bowl and win it all, that we're going to say, what the hell happened there? So regardless, good for Urban Meyer, good for the Jacksonville Jaguars, good for the quote-unquote quote other Josh Allen because he didn't like that one. And yeah, I mean, Bills, wake the hell up. Moving on to a game that was very similar to that last one and I actually alluded to because they were just, they gave me such similar vibes. And probably even more surprising than that Bills game was the Cowboys and the Broncos game. Cowboys just made so many mistakes. And again, they looked half asleep. They looked like they had been out the night before. They looked like, you know, they didn't, they missed that extra hour of sleep. They looked like they had been clubbing. They looked like they had walked in this game thinking like, oh, we are the cream of the crop, of the NFC. And, you know, the Broncos aren't playing for this year because they just traded away their best player. Well, guess what F fucking 30 to nothing this game should have been 30 to nothing it doesn't matter what the score was at the end of the game the cowboys starting offense shouldn't have been on the field when they even scored those two garbage time scores it was an utter there's no way to put it it was an ass whooping i mean starting off with the bron or excuse me the cowboys offense and what went wrong i hated how aggressive they were early in the game they went for it on two fourth downs and frankly, it made no damn sense. They weren't down in that game yet. They weren't in a position where they desperately needed points. It wasn't like it was the fourth quarter. I mean, this is the first quarter, I believe, for both of them. It was. I know it was the first quarter for one of them, at least, because Ezekiel Elliott got blown up in the backfield by Justin Simmons. Great play by Justin, by the way. And I think the second one was in the second quarter, now that I think about it. But why are you doing that? That's the type of play that you should make teams force teams rather to do against you to catch up in late game scenarios or to just take those risks because they're too scared of your offense not being able to keep up with it when you're playing against the broncos in this offense that hasn't proven a lot all year i mean sure they've had their bright spots and this was definitely one of them in this game but you didn't know that you didn't know that you were going to go down 30 to nothing you were it was zero zero maybe you were losing seven zero on the second one i can't remember right off the top of my head either way why the hell are you doing that? It's it's stupid. Don't give them the ball back and shoot yourselves in the foot more. Punt the ball and fucking move on with it. Play for the next down. Trust your defense, which clearly they didn't do. And as far as Dak Prescott goes, he just looked completely off. Some blame Rust because he had, you know, he hadn't been practicing. He had that injury. Others are blaming his health. And I really think we're gonna have to wait and see. I think if he continues to not play his best football next week, I think that there's a serious argument for that injury and that calf injuries could still be aggravating him, which honestly, I'm kind of partial to, but I could also completely see it being rust and have him be completely fine next week. And lucky for him, a lot of the best teams in the NFC also lost this week, so it doesn't matter too much as far as 
playoff implications. But regardless, excuse me, I've got a little something in my throat. Let me take a drink of water really quick. But regardless, he has to play better. And I think he will play better. Um, I'm hoping he'll play better. At least I've gotten him a couple fantasy teams. Also have Ezekiel Elliott, C.E. Lamb, and a couple teams. So whatever. Moving on to the Broncos side of the ball. I have been loving on this guy all season. And man, did he look good in this game. It's it's a favorite of the show. You guys are probably sick of me talking about him. But Javante Williams, man, he runs angry like that was a performance he had over 100 yards rushing he had i believe 17 carries to melvin's 24 21 something like that 20 something either way i think this guy needs to get more involved in this offense i love what they're doing with their two-way punch but i mean every time javante gets a hold of the ball or melvin sorry every time melvin gets a hold of the ball i always think like couldn't Javante have gotten more yards out of that run? I mean, Javante is just a fucking beast. He looks like Nick Chubb out there. He's just Nick Chubb, if Nick Chubb had even more yards after carry potential. I mean, he is probably the best yards after carry back in the league right now. He just does not go down and he just keeps those legs running. He is such a strong runner. Truly one of my favorite running backs to watch in this league. He was one of my favorite running backs coming out of UNC. I mean, I always thought him and Michael Carter were going to be absolute studs in the league and they're proving me right. So I'm feeling really good about those guys. Just He's just doing what he did in college, but in the NFL level and a lot of people were worried when he came to the NFL, he wasn't going to be able to do the things he did in college because it's college and the competition's not the same. Yeah, look at them now. Fuck. Anyways, the Teddy to Tim Patrick connection is really weird. I mean, they have like these weeks where Tim Patrick just completely disappears. It's kind of weird with all of his receivers because the only one he seems to consistently target when healthy is Jerry Judy. The rest of them, it's like, when the hell would I ever start these guys in fantasy? I, I don't know how much you can trust these guys. And honestly, I don't just because other than Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy is like a pretty solid seal or excuse me, a pretty solid floor guy, say like a low end wide receiver too, probably from week to week. But I mean, the rest of them, it's just, it's weird. And even beyond that, Teddy's just kind of weird this year. I mean, he's not what I thought he'd be at all when, you know, and I think a lot of people thought this coming into this year, I thought, you know, he'd be like the, the game manager, the conservative guy doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. And ever since he's gone to Denver, he's become much more of a gunslinger. He's taking more shots downfield than I've ever seen him take. He's having more interceptions than I think I've ever seen him make, but at the same time, he's having a lot more big plays. So it's kind of weird. I don't know if it's like the the coaching staff kind of rubbing off on them and maybe Drew Locke is kind of a gunslinger as much as he is because of that coaching staff, or maybe Drew Locke is rubbing off on Teddy Bridgewater, or maybe Teddy's just desperate because he feels like he's about to get benched or I don't, I don't know, playing his hair on fire a little bit. I, I think it's a little bit of all those factors and Either way, it makes this Broncos team very fun to watch at times and at times very painful to watch. But when the running game's going like this, when Teddy's not throwing interceptions that he has in the past, it ends up like this and it's very fun to watch. So I think the Cowboys, again, will be just all right. I think the Broncos have a future to look forward to, but I just don't know what I have with Teddy Bridgewater. I still don't think they want Teddy Bridgewater to be their future as far as future goes, I think they're going to try and draft one of those guys from Ole Miss or Liberty, or they could just 
you know, go for a proven guy and hope Aaron Rodgers comes to him. But we'll see what happens there. Regardless, again, Cowboys should be fine. Just keep Dak healthy because I think that calf has a little more to do with that performance than people realize. Moving on to the next game. This is a lot to talk about. It's the Titans versus the Rams. Wow. Just wow. I think Mike Vrabel, or excuse me, I think what Mike Vrabel is doing in Tennessee, he's as doing, he's doing, whoa, I cannot fucking get the sentence out. What Mike Vrabel is doing in Tennessee is as good a coaching job as any other guy in the league right now. I mean, he has had his fair of injuries, of course, Derrick Henry, the king going down. And I mean, they've just, they've turned their defense around literally from worst to first in that, like, snap of a finger it was crazy how bad they were at the beginning of the year like historically bad and all of a sudden jeffrey simmons harold landry all those guys up in front uh uh D'Amico autry i'm forgetting one more it doesn't matter they're creating extremes amounts of pressure just fucking up game plans for tons of offenses kevin byard as we know is probably the best safety in the league right now and he's playing like it it doesn't really matter if your secondary is consistent of Jack Rabbit Jenkins and a rookie from Washington that I can't remember his fucking name for some reason. If your front four is getting the quarterback this consistent, Bud Dupree. I forgot to Bud Dupree. I'm going to stop snapping because that's probably very loud on your guys' end. But yeah, whatever. They're getting consistent pressure. Their pass rush is playing out of their goddamn minds. And they're a very fun team to watch right now. And even when Ryan Tannehill didn't play that well, A.J. Brown didn't play that well, had a ton of drops, it just didn't matter against even one of the best teams, the NFC and the Rams. So a lot to take away from this Tennessee team. Very up and down season for them so far, but they have been extremely fun to watch. You never know how they're performing in the future, but again, right now Mike Vrabel's name is on the top of the list, for, or at least top of my list for the coach of the year. If the season ended right now, he probably would be my coach of the year. Again, could be subject to change. Never know what's going to happen week to week. Starting with the Rams, just kind of like mentioning them because I, you know, it was a game. There's two teams in this game. Their flaws have definitely shown through the past couple weeks. And it was flaws that I have been talking about for the past couple weeks as well. Um, As we know, they have problems with depth. But... Also, it's got to be talked about. It really does. Stafford is crazy talented, but he's a gunslinger too. I'm not saying at all that you can't win with or you you can't win with him. And I think that this team seriously is still a Super Bowl contender. I think they will make it deep in the playoffs. But we got to remember this guy's never won a playoff game in his career. And I don't know if Kyle Brandt made this point in Good Morning Football. I don't know if anyone's ever gone from never winning a playoff game in their career joining a new team or not even joining a team just let's just fuck that just say that who has never won a playoff game in their career and then turned it around and won a super bowl so i don't know it's just something to think about um i don't think of course of course he was on the lions that's that's the a1 excuse lions are just a very lions lions are just a very dysfunctional franchise um lions are just a very dysfunctional franchise and of course, a lot of blame could be pointed there, but I mean, it's got it's got to be said, right? It's someone's got to say it. <laughs> Anyways, they the Rams really need to play their game more. They they 
they got away from themselves. Of course, this game got away from them very quickly into it. But it was also just not really a typical Rams game. They weren't doing a lot of the same play calls they'd like to. They had Matthew Stafford under center a lot. They also had him working out of the shotgun. And it was just not the typical. I like them when they run the ball first. They get their offensive lines feet under them. They can get that pass rush to be true to the run as well and not so focused on Matthew Stafford. And then work the play play action off of that. Obviously, that's kind of the McVay recipe. But this game, I don't know if he was just trying to show off on primetime in his own building. But they kind of got away from that. They were kind of looking like a pass-first team. And sure, the game plan kind of got fucked up from the beginning. So maybe that had something to do with it. And I think it did. But... I really think they need to establish this run first and let the pass work off of that because it seemed like they were trying to get the pass established first and get the run going off of that, which I don't think is McVay's game. I think Stafford can do it. I think this offense can do it. I just think against a team that's really getting its pass rush going, like the Tennessee Titans in this game, it's something you can't really afford to do and something that it's just not a very good game plan against a team like this. And especially against a team a lot of other teams in the NFC, particularly the Bucks, particularly the Cardinals, that when you run into them in the playoffs, that's not a recipe for success. And it's definitely something to look out for. Again, not saying they can't make a run because they absolutely can and they absolutely are talented enough to do so. I'm just saying they will learn a lot from this game and I'm confident McVay will and I'm confident that they're going to be just fine. But there's a lot to take away from this game and I think they will. That's it. Jumping back to the Titans side of the ball, As I've said, their defense has absolutely flipped a switch, but I'm still concerned about their run game and losing Derrick Henry as a whole. That offense is seriously reliant on that, and I know what people are saying. Oh, well, they they just lost Derrick Henry and they beat the Rams. That that defense won the game for them. Don't don't kid yourself. Their offense did not play well. It It didn't at all, and I'm not sure how sustainable that is. Maybe I'm being a little bit too skeptical, and maybe Deontay Foreman's the best running back in this backfield. Probably not, but maybe. Either way, just just throwing that out there right now. Competition is so close in the AFC right now that they look like contenders, but I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the year they have we have a drastically different opinion on this team. I really think we just caught them in this just perfect niche, in this perfect moment of their pass rush to all come together. And I'm not saying that's just completely going to fall off the planet because I think this D-line – is seriously full of studs and can seriously be disruptive. And I seriously think they will be competitive in the playoffs and all this stuff. But I don't know if they're directly a Super Bowl contending team simply because I think that run game is going to hinder their offense significantly and that passing offense. Like, we know that Ryan Tannehill is good. We know that A.J. Brown is good. But they're not really playing it like now, right now. Jalen Ramsey had a really, really good pick, really instinctive pick against Ryan Tannehill. I'm not sure if any other cornerback in the league can make that pick. Not because what he physically did. I think anyone can physically do what Jalen Ramsey did. No, okay, wait, lied. I, I lied, I lied. I don't think anyone can physically do. I think there are corners in the league that can do what Jalen Ramsey did on that play. But it was the mental aspect of it that was really so amazing. I mean, he just... You could tell he knew exactly what was going on, and he loves to cut those out routes, and he just timed it gorgeously. Um, Jalen Ramsey's an all-pro. He's going to be an all-pro again this year, but 
again, that's that's that makes me nervous. It, your defense isn't going to show up to play like that every single weekend and just absolutely take over games and give opposing offenses no wiggle room. So again, I need to see more from this offense, both passing and running. And if I see that, then I think this team will be a serious Super Bowl contender. Until then, I'm a little skeptical about them. Of course, they'll make the playoffs. Of course, they're going to be extremely competitive with every team they play in the playoffs. But it's still concerning. How far along am I in this? Holy shit, I've been ranting for so long. All right, last game. Sorry, guys. I don't think anyone's listening to this at this point. So let's just get this out of the way. Last game we got for you guys here is going to be the Cardinals versus the 49ers. Uh, this was a game that I made one of my best bets that the Cardinals were going to win. And I <laughs> I said a bunch of weird shit. I was saying that someone in Vegas was smoking crack. I said that these odds were absolutely insane. I said that there was no fucking way that the Niners should be favored in this game. And now I know why they were. I... <laughs> I truly had no idea that Kyle Murray was not practicing at all this weekend. I knew that DeAndre Hopkins was likely going to be out, but I had no idea what was going on with Kyler Murray. That was an absolute mistake on me. But hey, Colt McCoy played very well in his absence, and he saved my ass. Colt McCoy went 22 for 26 passing. I think he had one touchdown passing touchdown as well excuse me and very very importantly he had absolutely no turnovers just played a very mistake-free football game just managed that game extremely well honestly did more than manage that game he looked really well excuse me he looked really good he performed very well and he had some big throws and some big moments as many big moments as there were in a blowout game like this but regardless james connor also rat whoa 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 that was not english james connor also ran like an absolute madman for over 100 yards and three touchdowns he was looking like the james connor that was on the steelers a couple years ago i mean this is what's so important about this cardinals team's success it's i'm not the run game is that they have so much goddamn depth Chase Edmonds went down in this game with a high ankle sprain. He sounds like he's going to the IR and should miss a few weeks. That really sucks because he's a very fun receiving back to watch in this game. But it looks like they're going to be just fine without him, just as they've been just fine without J.J. Watt, just as they've been just fine without A.J. Green, just as they were just fine without DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it is so impressive what this team is doing week to week with all these injuries they've had, COVID problems, all that shit. And they keep finding ways to win games. And in my opinion, that definitely shows this coaching staff is doing very well for themselves. This locker room is very much bought into this coaching staff. And just as my, I said with Mike Vrabel, Cliff Kingsbury has got to be on the top of a lot of people's list for coach of the year. I seriously slept on this guy. I seriously was counting him out. And I thought he was going to be on the hot seat by the end of this year or even midway through this year if they weren't doing too well. And he is completely shitting on that take. And good for them, good for the Cardinals. I love watching this team, and I'm glad I'm wrong about this team because any you just you know I'm a fan of the sport. You want to see every team do well. You want to see every player do well. You don't want to see any injuries. So again, I will. I'm happy to say that I'm wrong about this team. The one team I would actually, yeah, even then because I wasn't. I was literally gonna say the one team I'd be happy to not be wrong about would be the the Packers, but no, I'd be very happy to be wrong about the Packers because I thought the Packers were going to be very good this year and I hate the Packers. Whatever. This isn't, this isn't about, this isn't a Bears podcast. Um, Going back to the Niners side of the ball, man, 
can we stop with the Niners hype? Can we stop? Like, I get why they're favored in this game. I do. I get why Vegas did what they did. But look, the Niners only beat below average teams and they get smacked around by above average teams. So that tells me they're average. And until I see anything different from that, I'm going to keep calling them average. And I don't think this is an elite franchise. Yada, 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 whatever. Good for the Cardinals. They're going to be in Super Bowl contention 100%. That's going to be it for this week's episode. I had no idea I was rambling for that long. I must have gotten really carried away with that Bears segment or something. Anyways, I'm going to cut this off here. Be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. And be sure to follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk because I will be announcing details about the giveaway and the YouTube channel and all the new stuff coming up soon. So just be sure to keep tuning in, share this with your friends. Regardless, I hope you guys have a great one. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And check in Thursday for this week's preview for Week 10 football. I can't believe it's already Week 10. Crazy. Have a good one, guys.